Hey, I'm Asher. And I'm Jackson. And what you're about to listen to is strictly confidential. Spot on for me. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Hey, Asher, how's your week been? It's been great, Jackson. Better than great, even. I'm going to do what might be a contender for the douchiest thing I've done or said. And I have a vinyl record collection, so this is saying something. Uh, I remember as probably a 9 or 10-year-old at a family reunion type event, some cousin who was in college, so now younger than I am, saying something to the effect of, yeah, I really just don't eat dessert anymore. Like, I don't really crave it because I stopped eating sugar and then I just don't even want it anymore. And I remember being so upset at that as a child, even then thinking like, you don't, you still want cake. You just want your smug sense of superiority more than cake. Anyway, I got a standing desk and I don't even want to sit anymore. Are you standing right now? Uh, I'm actually sitting right now and it sucks. I have had a standing desk that I've used for work and this podcast for about two months now. And sitting at the desk feels weird. I even play video games standing up now. We can all tell based on the t-shirts you wear along with the CrossFit ones and the vegan ones. and the. It's very much the kind of thing that people, you tell people about as soon as it starts. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to use this platform that I have to tell everybody about my standing desk. See, I thought about, I've been thinking about for the last probably five, six months, upgrading my desk at work to a standing desk by just getting a coffee table and putting it on top of it. But then I broke my ankle and now I'm not really supposed to be on my ankle that much. And so I genuinely now love the idea of sitting because ankle hurt if I don't. I definitely thought you were about to say that you had finally reached the stage in your life where you also don't crave desserts. Oh, no chance. There are fruity pebbles in my cabinet right now. Allian, uh, my partner, has talked about cutting out sugars entirely in our diet. And I'll usually cut out coffee or something for a month just to see if I can do it and for my health. And then it just makes coffee even better the next time you have a cup. Uh, ain't cutting out the desserts. I like them. See, I'm the exact opposite. And I don't know why it is, but I also didn't grow up loving desserts either. We all know this or we all know me as a person that has some weird tastes and opinions and stuff, but I, and I'll admit it to the podcast now if I haven't in the past, I don't like chocolate. You are a rare breed. But that also means that a lot of sweets I've never had, and the sweets I've had I've thought have been good, but as a kid, for dessert, I would have chips and salsa, and I loved it. I don't think you really know what dessert means. Okay, describe what you think dessert is. It's got to have sugar content. Okay, describe a different descriptor of dessert. <laughs> yum, yum. Mmm, I deserve this because I ate a healthy meal. Now I'm going to eat trash. See, but as an adult, I kind of understand that tortilla chips aren't good for me. Hmm, but tortilla chips are what is known at Chili's as pre-meal trash. But see, why can't I sandwich the meal between two sets of tortilla chips and salsa? Hmm. I've always viewed dessert, and this may be my own opinion, but I've always viewed dessert as something 
that you don't have to have but like to have after dinner. You finished the big food, and now you're excited for the little food in addition to the big food. You sat down as a group all together to consume the big nourish, and afterwards you're rewarding yourself with the good taste. That's probably right. I just have a complex. I grew up on Bran Flakes and not Raisin Bran, mind you, because Raisin Bran, uh, spoiler, isn't healthy at all. So me always craving Lucky Charms and Fruit Loops until I became an adult and had the power to purchase them for myself. And now I'm just constantly trying to fill this void in my childhood. Wait, I have another question. Yes. What's the difference between bland f- Bran Flakes and Raisin Bran? Because is it not just raisins? That's it. Aren't raisins good for you? No, not those. Those are crystallized in sugar. That's what makes them good. Right. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So as a non-chocolate eater who is also a young adult, I called you a rare breed. You're practically a cryptid because I can't even believe you exist. And speaking of cryptids, would we all like to hop into the, the beanbags and take a trip over to the cryptid corner? I, I don't know how we're going to hop in beanbags and take a trip, but I'm excited to do both if we can. Well, let's uh, figure out a way to work with that transition anyways. Welcome to the Cryptid Corner. Like we said at the start of the show, I'm your host, Jackson Gressley, and I'm joined by my buddy and co-host, Asher. I'm sitting Freeman. in a beanbag with wheels. Whoa! And a motor. Uh, today we're talking about the Mopinguari, and I'm pretty sure that's pr- how it's pronounced, but... Who is ever going to correct you? I mean, unless it's part, it's an important part of an ancient culture, I, I think that we're good. Yeah, I don't think I'm stepping on any boundaries here, potentially mispronouncing it, unless one of our listeners is the Mapinguari. And if you are, please reach out. According to South American folklore, the Mapinguari is a beast described as resembling an ape-like or slosh- an ape-like or slothish creature with red fur located in the Amazon. Uh, which I thought I'd bring up this week because of Amazon Prime Day. (laughs) It's mostly located in the Amazon rainforest in Brazil and Bolivia. But one thing that's kind of crazy is that all the different tribes in the Amazon, all of the different native South American tribes, have a name for the beast that can differ between tribes. So it could be the Isnashi and the Jama, but the most culturally acceptable name is the Mapinguari which is usually translated to mean the roaring animal. That is the coolest name. It's a good one. So let's start with the fun and most obvious place to start the appearance. According to native folklore, the beast kind of ends up being a modge podge of all the different beings in Brazilian mythology. And since accounts vary and we have to work on minimal knowledge and neither of us have seen it ourselves, we're going to have to assume everything we hear about the appearance is true. Does that sound good? So we're working with a chimera kind of situation. Okay, so I'm going to walk through just step by step each piece of what this thing is supposed to look like. Okay? I'm ready. And we're going to we're going to assume every part of it is the real part of it. Okay. One eye, two eyes, long claws, lizard-like skin, covered in thick matted fur, backward feet, second mouth on its belly similar to the third eye of Jirachi, long arms, and then reaching heights of 7 feet when standing on its hind legs. Now, there are a couple things in there that differ. It's saying one eye and two eyes. And we're not just adding those up to three eyes. It's either or. 
And I'm going to vote one eye because it's more interesting. It's definitely more unique. I mean, we got to start with, if you're starting with an ape-like creature, you got to start off with what makes it different from Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. And it says lizard-like skin while covered in thick matted fur. And doing a little bit of research, what I found is that people only believe the lizard-like skin is on his back. Hmm. Uh, whereas it could have thick matted fur elsewhere. Okay. He's a lot better coming than going. Yeah. But it would mean that sliding on his back is great and snuggling up to his tummy, also great. Now, the appearance is not the only thing that identifies him. He also has habits and abilities according to his Wikipedia description. He is slow but ferocious, moves without noise, Ooh. gives off a putrid stench. Weapons like arrows and bullets cannot penetrate his scales, avoids bodies of water, which is interesting in the Amazon rainforest. And handy. Well... You mean handy for the people living there? Yeah, for the people trying to observe him. Stands on two back feet like a grizzly bear. And then the last two are the interesting ones. Has the ability to make you dizzy and can turn day into night. Holy shit. Okay. Isn't that cool? Those last two are interesting. I mean, he's silent, but deadly. Stanks and makes you dizzy. But he's not an allegory for a fart. He is absolutely not an allegory for a fart. It, uh, when it I wrote, does, I mean, it honestly does kind of sound like a supernatural explanation for like a natural gas leak, right? Makes you dizzy, silent, has a bad smell, turns day into night because it knocks you unconscious, I guess. That could be a good theory. And may, maybe when you're high on those gases, you're hallucinating and you and animals in the forest appear more threatening than they really are. I've definitely smelt farts that I wish I could shoot with arrows and bullets. <laughs> but yeah, I I definitely wrote moves without noise and gives off a putrid stench and thought, ah, silent but deadly. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad I got there first. But everybody who's not a nerd should tune out for just a second for the next sentence I'm going to say. But if you're playing D&D, &D, don't you want to play as this guy? I mean, I don't want to fight this guy. I definitely want him on my team. Absolutely. He's a giant, well, not giant, but... I mean, seven feet tall is pretty tall. That's pretty giant. He's got a second mouth on his belly, long arms. Uh, I get confused about the backward feet thing, and I'm just going to kind of move past that because I don't like imagining it. Backward human feet, backward paws, maybe kind of see, a goat hoof situation. See, it says feet, and when I think feet, I think, well, I've got two feet. Yeah, I've got those. It doesn't say cloven hooves. And it doesn't say paws. It doesn't say, it says long claws, but when every, not photo, but illustration of scene of him has him standing up. And so I'm always imagining him looking kind of like a bear, but with long claws on his hand paw things. And then backward feet, I imagine my feet flipped all the way around, which sounds like a nightmare for walking. Apparently helps with the uh, silent approach, though. Yeah, I bet that's also why he avoids water, because I bet it would be really hard to walk in water with feet like that. Yeah, not great for swimming. No. Uh, gives off a putrid stench. If his feet are backwards, do you think his butt is on the front? We can talk about the uh, mouth on its stomach now instead. <laughs> that's some, That's some like, Doom Eternal stuff right there. Some, I mean, if you want to... If we already have the non-nerds tuned out, that's some gluttony from Full Metal Alchemist stuff right there. Which probably, I mean, that's a very well-researched anime, so maybe it's taking taking notes from this or other folklore creatures. 
So I, I think a, I think the nerds are back, um, or the, the non-nerds are back. I think we welcomed them back after that one sentence I said about Dungeons and Dragons. But B, this guy actually isn't very old in terms of cryptids. I think a lot of the cryptids we read about are stuff that was seen a long time ago. The first sighting I could find of this happened in 1937 in central Brazil. That is, that's pretty new. That's a young cryptid. It went on a three-week rampage, killing over a hundred cows and ripping the tongues from their carcasses. Whoa, okay. Uh... Which is an interesting thing I did not find anything more about. I guess they didn't want... Took the tongues from the cows either to eat or is afra- was he afraid that ta- the cows are going to tell his secrets? I don't, I think, I think an American stumbles upon that and that's, that's UFO activity. So let's, let's take all of the steps we need to assume that these are aliens dealing with this. Okay. If I am taking these cows, if I see cows set aside with their tongues ripped apart, does that mean that A, I need the tongue, B, the tongue is the only thing that is different about the cows on this planet versus their planet. Or C, I did not like the tongue and liked everything else about the cow and needed to get rid of the tongue. Yeah, in my mind, in my alien brain, it's an improvement. Without the tongue. Yeah, take the tongue out. You're welcome. Later. Later. Little uh, Jetsons. You can add in a little Jetsons flying car sound effect there. But the issue there is... The cows were killed, so it's not like they were like, hey, we fixed your cows. Unless, on the alien planet, all cows are dead when they're born. I think we're getting a little hung up on the cows. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about the locale. So that's the only sighting I could find between 1937 and 2004. But in 2004, the Mapinguara was seen by the Karatiana tribe. Seen in an area of the jungle the locals call the Cave of the Mapinguari. Okay, so not a ton of documented sightings, but they definitely haven't forgotten about this guy. And a lot of scientists have organized expeditions to try and find the creature. And while none have returned with the creature, a lot of people have talked to people who have seen it. And with tribes out there, they're not getting dates as much as they are getting, hey, we saw this and we can describe it to you. Yeah. But yeah, so it was seen in an area of the jungle that the locals actually refer to as the place this thing lives, basically, the cave of the Mapinguari. And then in 2007, uh, a scientist came out with a study, Dr. David Oren, and he basically said, it is quite clear to me that the legend of the Mapinguari is based on human contact with the last of the ground sloths, which is a species that went extinct thousands of years ago. So basically, like, you know, uh, another nerd thing here, uh, nerd alert, but... You know Crash Bandicoot, how Bandicoots used to be real in Australia? Yeah, are they not anymore? Is this, this is going to take a sad turn, huh? Oh yeah, Bandicoots have been extinct for a long time. Ugh. Uh, but yeah, so the ground sloths are similar. They were huge sloths, according to old science. And the phrasing here where he says, it is quite clear to me that the legend of the Mapinguari is based on human contact with the last of the ground sloths. I think you get what I'm going at. What's that contact? Yeah. <laughs> What's, what's touching what? Talking? I think they're going further. <laughs> but he said he himself has, but he's talked to a couple hundred people who have. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures of ground sloths right now. Uh, giant ground sloth is right. That's the right adjective. Because these illustrations, at least, 
have them much larger than seven feet tall, more like 14, 15 feet tall, and standing more or less on their hind legs. They stand upright, or at least we think they did. So big spoons. Definitely. But yeah, so did you Google what a Mopinguari looks like? You might should do that while you're at it so you can see the similarities between the two. All of the illustrations of the Mopinguari that I found make them look exactly like a uh, These are just the same drawings. As the ground sloth? Yeah, a few of these are the exact same. Interesting. And I, that was something that we, that in my mind, we glossed over at the beginning was the sloth-like. Okay, so, I mean, this is kind of then in the same vein as people thinking that Loch Ness is a prehistoric water-based dinosaur where there are remnants of an extinct species that we do understand or at least we have some knowledge of and proof of and the belief that there's a few left within i mean within the rainforest if it's anywhere it's there if a if a species can survive quietly without detection that's where it would happen yeah and it's such a convenient space because there's such little civilization there i mean there are people living there but it's not the same as like Georgia has a similar environment, but places like Atlanta and Savannah are large enough to where you can, if you saw it on the, if it was on the outskirts of town, several people would see it. Right. There's enough of this space where you would not be able to see it nearly as easily. I would be interested to learn more about how these tribes who seemingly take it for granted that it does exist and it's in the cave and it's in this area of the uh, rainforest. Do, is this something that is feared or something that they just kind of see with fascination or do they have the same sort of skepticism that we do that it exists at all? So most of the scientists in the area believe that it's Amazon folklore because according to according to the New York Times article about the 2007 sighting, Amazon folklore tends to lean towards creating fanciful creatures like this out of the imagination to answer for small mysteries like farts. <laughs> okay, yeah. But for example, there's a theory about a dolphin called a boto that can transform itself into human form and seduce and impregnate impressionable young virgins. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you can see the you can see some of the convenience of that story. This part's not important to the uh Mapinguari theory, but the best thing about the boto, which is why we'll probably talk about it at some point, is that the <laughs> The theory of the boto also adds in that when they transform into human form, the dolphin wears a white hat to cover his blowhole. <laughs> and that had me pause and stop reading for maybe an hour while I was suffocating with laughter. <laughs> You're telling me that you transform entirely into a human, but you can't find a way to hide your blowhole? That is sitcom level shit right there. It's Tim and Eric's awesome show, Great Job Level Nonsense, of being like, oh yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I was definitely impregnated by a wild dolphin that could convert into a human in all the ways except for hiding his blowhole. No other explanation. How else could you explain a man in a white hat? That's, that's a better argument for it, yeah. But, so a lot of people, a lot of, I think the more civilized, not or not civilized, but more modern day technologically advanced cultures believe sure that it's a a myth uh, an amazon folklore but that's not that's not what we do on the show is we don't actually believe stuff could be fake right right 
And so Dr. Shepard and not the one from Lost said that there, this is a, this is a quote from his study on it. There's still an awful lot of room out there for a large sloth to be roaming around. So that's the mindset I'm going to keep. The idea that just because this thing is probably not, like it's probably something that would have gone extinct, doesn't mean it did go extinct. And I think the reason that, I don't know, I, I could argue that if I was a part of an Amazon tribe and I saw and knew that this big thing had slaughtered a hundred cows and took their tongues, I would think, yeah, I have no interest in hunting that out. I am going to avoid that at all costs. Because there's nothing like uh, like Nessie or the Ultima Haha where you think, oh, it's so, it's cute. It's it's lively. Let's, let's try and protect it. Um, even though both of those are dangerous creatures as well. There's nothing about this that where you think, yeah, that thing would not cut me to pieces immediately. Right, yeah. No, it's it's a terror for sure. Even though sloths, modern day sloths, are adorable. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't want to come in contact with one of these giant sloths. I think that's the, probably the case for most animals the size of sloths, though. It's definitely encouraging. Uh, one, that there is still a lot of Amazon rainforest left because uh, I had seen enough uh, eco-friendly companies lead me to believe that the rainforest was just gone. But uh, it's kind of the same argument that, like, of course mermaids exist. The ocean is huge. Yeah, I get that whole idea. It's a bad argument by itself. I think with... I'm pairing it with the idea that Dr. Oren, I think it was, talked to hundreds of people who saw the Mapinguari and agreed that it looked like that. Hmm. And obviously he could be recording interviews where he said, did it look like this? And they said, yeah, that sounds about right. But I like to believe that in his interviews, he would ask, what did it look like? And they always described one eye, furry chest, seven feet tall, backwards feet, claws, like that kind of thing. You know what I always mean? Always a question mark on that one. They're like, I'm positive about all the other stuff. I think his feet were backwards, but don't quote me on that. But yeah, that's the Mapinguari. Do you have any questions on him? Um, how far away... This is more for Siri. How far away is the Amazon? Uh, I don't have my phone up here, so you should Google that. Texas to the Amazon rainforest. 3,477 miles. That is not far enough. How long? I'm moving to Utah. How long is it with walking, time-wise? Google Maps, give me that? Yeah. Let's, let's find out. Because we could assume that he probably walks at maybe... Walking is not available. Uh. Oh, man. So how many miles you said? 3,477. We can just say 3,500 for the sake of simple round numbers. So do we want to assume he could walk probably, let's say 3,600 for the sake of round numbers. He could walk probably three miles an hour. Um, yes. Part of his description was that he moved slow. So let's. But three miles an hour is pretty slow. Three miles an hour is pretty slow. 3,600 miles or thousand? 3,600. 3,600 miles is a long time. That's 1,200 hours. And I don't think he's going to be walking directly to you. So I think you're probably safe unless, like I said earlier, he's one of our listeners. That well, if he was one of our listeners, he would certainly love our theme song, Threadbare, off the album Burden of Proof by Glenn Merle. You can listen to that on Spotify, iTunes, any place that streams music. And, uh... 
glimrowmusic.com. Thanks to him, as always, for letting us use that as our song. Uh, but more importantly, if you are the Mopping Gwari, then you need to reach out and get in touch with us. Uh, how can they do that, Jackson? Well, they could DM us on our Instagram or our Twitter at our Twitter is S Confident Show and our Instagram is Strictly Confidential Show. Or they could email us and anybody can DM us or email us or even listen to Glenn Merle as well, even if they're not the Mopinguari. But our email address is strictlyconfidentialshow at gmail.com. And if I mispronounce anything ever, please tell me because I probably would correct it in the next episode. Yeah, I mean, that actually is pretty important to us. Uh, it, it gets annoying when any sort of program is like, I'm pronouncing that wrong, ha <laughs> ha and just moves on. Uh, it We do try our best to get it right. It's just when we're uh, exploring the far reaches of the world, we come across pronunciations we're unfamiliar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the episode where I talked about Egypt was a little rough, but I, I did actually go on the pronunciation guides and try to work my way through it. Uh, if you want to be on the show... As an interviewee, we would like to be interviewers and talk about a paranormal experience or a conspiracy that you've personally uncovered. And if you have a best friend, tell them to listen to this show. You guys probably both love true crime. That's not what this is, but it's kind of in the same vein. And uh, they probably like it as well. You guys have similar tastes. So word of mouth, best way to grow. We really appreciate it. Yeah, and if you have a topic you want us to talk about, shooting us an email, sending us a DM on Twitter... We both have personal Twitter accounts, too, and personal Instagrams that you could DM if you're friends with us. Yeah, uh, we love finding topics, and we also love exploring topics you guys are interested in, because this show is as much for you as it is for us to just have a conversation about weird stuff. But yeah, that's all we do, right? I think that's all we do. This has been Strictly Confidential. I've been Jackson. I've been Asher. And as always, keep that hat on your blowhole. (laughs) There are kids around. (laughs) 